Hi, this is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our third episode. This episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about my meditation practice. I felt more inspired to talk about it after talking to Jason Bowman last week, and I realized, of course, meditation is a part of a yoga practice, and I never really talk about that with you guys. So, um, a little bit about my meditation practice. I had a really strong meditation practice before my son was born, 20 minutes every day. I was really good about it and I really enjoyed it, especially when I was pregnant. I found it, there's something sort of ungrounding about growing another person, for me anyway, and I found it really helped me root myself in the present moment and, and what was going on right now. And it was really nice to just notice the feeling of caring life So I found it really beautiful and intimate and great. And then after I had Hudson, I had a hard time meditating because I was breastfeeding him and he's a slow eater. So I was sitting so much, sitting quietly so much. So when I had a moment to myself, not caring for him, not feeding him, I, the last thing I want to do was sit and be still. And then I just kind of got out of the habit of it. And there have definitely been times as he's gotten older where I could see that I really needed to get back into meditation. Uh, just a little tidbit about having a toddler, if you don't know. Uh, his One of his new newer things is that sometimes when he gets really excited, he will just hit me directly in the face. Like, he doesn't mean to hurt me. It's not personal. It's like a way of him showing enthusiasm. And of course, it's my job to teach him not to do that. But it is uh, very trying on your patients when the person that you spend all of your time caring for just slaps you like pretty hard on the face. So for instances like that, (laughs) I could really use meditation. But for a long time, I was just, I don't know, something about it. I, I wouldn't let myself get started. And then this fall, all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Now's the time. And I really had no obstacles to start. Like almost immediately I fell into the habit of doing it. And I I think, I think that's for a few reasons. I think one, I really needed it. And a part of me realized that I really needed it. And two, and this is kind of funny, but I, for some reason, I feel like the fall is a really good time to meditate. I know that sounds so weird, but I just, there's this like, I've always felt like kind of closer to the great spirit in the fall. I always have like more vivid dreams. I always feel more connected to my intuition. And I don't know if that is just me or if that's like a thing, but I definitely have noticed that about the fall. And I think, you know, obviously like the back to school feeling of the fall too. So anyway, so now I've been meditating every day for 10 minutes in the morning and I've gotten into a really good rhythm because Hudson wakes up and he kind of talks in his crib so that wakes me up but he actually we call him a bed princess because he likes to just lay in his crib for a while and I'll like give him one of his stuffed animals and he likes to just kind of play in his crib so I'll give him a stuffed animal then I go in the other room and I do my 10 minute meditation and the soundtrack to that is like pretty cute because it's him kind of like cooing and talking to his animals And that's been really great. Um, I've definitely already noticed a shift. um, And kind of like what Jason was talking about, this sort of ability to uh, find composure in uncomfortable moments. I'm I'm definitely already feeling that. 
Yeah. It's funny because I was thinking this morning how I was going to talk to you guys about meditation. And then, of course, I ended up not having time to meditate. And um, I, right bef- I was on my way to take my son to his grandparents' house. And right before I left, I got an email saying that the COVID test I was scheduled for at 9 a.m. today was canceled or was um, going to be, char- they would have to charge me $175, which, you know, I have $175 in my bank account. I'm lucky enough to have that. But it just made me so furious for people who can't afford that because if you don't have insurance, it's free. But then if you do have insurance, but you have crappy insurance, then they charge you. And so think about that injustice, like not, not for me, but just in general infuriated me to no end. Like I was so upset. And then not only that, but I had this real sense of anxiety because we're leaving for our trip on Sunday. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So the reason I'm getting COVID tested is not because I'm sick, but because um, I am meeting my mom and her boyfriend and my best friend, Olivia, that I grew up with. They're driving in from New Jersey. We're meeting up in Michigan in a cabin in the middle of nowhere to kind of do like a a fake holiday holiday. Um, So anyway, so I wanted to be tested before I saw them to be safe and because my mom's boyfriend is high risk. So I make this, you know, I do the responsible thing. I had a really hard time getting an appointment. I find a place, get an appointment. It's inconvenient, bad time, but I'm like, okay, I'll go. Then right before the appointment, they email me like, oh, you know, actually it's going to be $175, which, okay. But it just, it made me so upset that like, that is how uh, COVID is being dealt with. And it's no wonder that it's being spread again. It's getting really bad in Chicago again. Uh, so it just made me, the injustice of it made me furious. And then I had this, you know, great anxiety that I wasn't going to be tested. And I had promised my mom and her boyfriend that I would be tested and, you know, that the test wouldn't come back in time. And then I'm like, well, now where am I going to get an appointment? But I'm driving, so I can't look at the, the clinics, but I know they fill up fast. Anyway, so I have this like real sense of anxiety. And then of course, somebody like cuts me off and I like yell and I look back at Hudson and he looks terrified. So I'm like, okay, you like need to get a hold of yourself. So I just like, you know, took a breath, like drove him to his grandparents, dropped him off, got in the car, found a place that like would cover my insurance that I can go to tomorrow. So I think like it'll work out. But it's just so amazing how quickly you can lose composure, you know, and then even after it was sort of settled, I still felt unsettled, like, like itchy and upset and just like kind of like pissed. So I got home and I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I was kind of like a tiger in a cage, like pacing. So I was like, okay, you know, I need to get a handle on myself. So I did three things. First was I did the Peloton for like 20 minutes just to like sweat because I I feel like sometimes anxiety in me is like nervous energy. So I need to like get that energy out. So then I felt better. And then I did a 10 minute meditation. And I have to tell you, like, immediate change it's almost like you know that stress of the morning it like melted it away Uh, and I think that's the argument for meditation really is that um, one it can start to teach us to not lose our composure to stay you know calm and stay uh, mindful in situations that are uncomfortable and then also once it does happen it can help us come back to that composure which I definitely feel much better now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that actually gets me to one of a a question that I got from a listener 
who asked um, how to start a meditation practice. Sarah in Colorado said, with all the stress of COVID and kids and life, like, how do I start a meditation practice? And the best way I found from myself and other people is to pick a method and stick with it. I think the easiest method or maybe the most doable method right now would be to find an app. Um, I really liked Headspace. My husband used Headspace. I know a lot of people have used Headspace. And I think like the first week is free. Um, and you sort of it sort of builds you up and explains meditation to you in a really um, easy to understand way. So I would say do an app. Um, and then the other thing is try to pick a time that you do it every day. So for me, uh, I'm by like about 3 p.m. I'm like dead to the world. Like I can't really focus on anything. So, you know, after I put us into bed, that's not a time for me to get stuff done. But I know I, I talked to Rachel Rajput um, in, in actually in the interview for today, and she was mentioning that she's much better at night because in the morning her mind is going too fast. So just choose a time that really works for you and try to do it the same time every day. Uh, and then the other thing is be pretty um, kind to yourself because sitting still and focusing is not actually something we do very often. So you can think of it, you can imagine like if you haven't ever run before, trying to go out and run two miles would be really difficult. And, you know, after a few weeks, it's entirely possible. So think of meditation as a muscle that you're building, like focus of the mind is actually a muscle you build up. So let it be a little bit, it's okay if it's a little bit difficult to start. And that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Um, meaning like it's okay if you sit down to focus and your mind will not focus and you have to keep bringing it back. And it, it's okay if the whole practice, all you're doing is saying, oh my gosh, I'm still not focusing. Oh my gosh, I'm still not focusing. That's still doing something. And when I say focus, almost every meditation practice chooses something to focus on to calm the mind. So it could be bodily sensations. It could be um, the breath or the feeling of the breath. It could also be an image. Uh, there's all sorts of different meditation practices, um, and all of them are valid. So you just maybe find the one that works for you. But yeah, I would say like, it's, it, I would, it's not easy to start and it's okay if it feels like you're not doing anything, do it anyway. The other thing is I'm really flexible with myself about meditation. So this is silly, but like on the first day of my period, I let myself uh, do my meditation laying down because I always feel like kind of crappy. And I don't know, there's something about it that then I'm like, oh, my meditation treat <laughs> is I get to go lay down. Uh, so, you know, maybe give yourself a little bit of freedom in uh, your posture Oh, speaking of posture, though, it is really good to have a good situation for sitting. So uh, if you're not comfortable sitting on the floor, get a couple pillows, sit on the pillows. If you can't make yourself comfortable sitting on the floor at all, it's okay to sit in a chair. It's like completely fine. Um, I really think meditation cushions are great. They tend to be like the perfect height. You can find them online. But if that's not something that's in your budget or not something that you'd like to do, I, I you know, bed pillows or pillows from the couch could also work. Just make sure you're as comfortable as you can be to start and just know also that it'll get more comfortable. As you learn to sit, you'll be able to sit for longer. Let's see. And then um, 
yeah, uh, be gentle with yourself, be flexible, use an app if you like. Uh, and then I, I would say that's really it. Um, oh, just like the yoga practice commit. So I, because you're working a muscle, which is the, the ability to focus your mind to start, I would commit to doing it every single day and you can decide the time. Maybe the time varies day to day, but try to do it every single day for at least 30 days so that you get into this habit and you kind of learn to work that muscle of focus. Yeah. I I hope this helps. Um, thanks for writing in Sarah. Okay. So the next on the, next on the agenda, I guess, is we, uh, I have today an interview with Rachel Rajput, which I had so much fun doing. Um, Rachel is just like one of those people that whatever she does, wherever she is, she can create community. Like there's just something about her that people want to be around her and she can create this sense of, um, a family and home wherever you are. So she really chose the perfect occupation because she is a yoga studio owner. And I actually taught at her studio for a while. It's called Left Coast Power Yoga. It's in Oakland. And she just somehow draws in the best teachers, the kindest people. Her, the members of Left Coast are, were always my favorite to teach um, because she has this like, she's just like this magnet for goodness. Um, so I think you'll really enjoy the interview with her. It was really interesting to hear the perspective of one, a studio, a yoga studio owner during this time. And two, just to hear someone who's really busy and doesn't have as much time to do yoga as they'd like. It's definitely really relatable to all of us. So, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the pot, the interview. So we'll get right into it. Like we usually do. Um, what is your yoga practice like these days? (laughs) Uh, so my name is Rachel and, um, just to introduce myself a little bit, I'm, um, I'm the owner and founder of Left Coast Power Yoga in Oakland. We have, we had three. Now we have two spaces for power yoga, and we also teach um, workshops, teacher trainings, meditation classes. We've expanded into some restorative offerings and yin and, and kind of ex- exploded beyond the power yoga world, right, into different things. Um, personally, you know, my experience has been very different pre and post COVID. So pre COVID, I was teaching four classes a week, sometimes five, and I would almost always be able to take the class either before or after I taught. So in studio, I would have probably three one hour classes a week and then the four that I taught. Um, And then I was also leading a bunch of the teacher training sessions and would practice with them. Um, And I wasn't really doing much of anything at home. I have a a four-year-old and a a year and a half-year-old. So they kept the house pretty, pretty active. Um, But I felt like I did a really good uh, job of taking off the mom mantle when I went to the studio because I was able to get my practice in there. I also would regularly go to the studio to plan classes. And so my prep time would be there in studio. So this is kind of all a long and short way of saying that when I had kids, my home practice kind of dissolved. And I was fortunate though, that I had studio spaces that I could go to, you know, on lunch or whatever. 
So after COVID, um, you know, when we were in the deep shelter in place, I was practicing on our classes pretty regularly. We, um, Left Coast is offering about 30 classes uh, a week on Zoom, so live through the computer. And it was kind of like quality control, right? I wanted to make sure the teachers were offering a good product. They were starting on time, you know, that the Zoom meeting didn't drop and all of the technical stuff. And so I was either practicing or kind of just following along, listening to two or three classes a day right at the beginning. And so I felt like then I was getting a good practice. Um, and then as we started to iron out the tech needs, the teachers started to be a lot more capable of just managing things themselves. And I kind of dropped off from that practice. So right now I don't have a regular practice. Um, we're working hard to try to get the studio reopened. And I'm also running an academic camp for kids who are doing distance learning. So we have two spaces that we're trying to prepare. Um, one of them's getting remodeled right now to reopen. And then also I'm kind of running around doing this kid's camp. Um, and I still have my two kids in the mix too. So it's, it's pretty short now. I'd say that I, um, I do meditation usually in the evenings. I'm not really a morning meditator. I've tried to be forever, but my mind just really wants to jump into the day and what issues are going to come up. But once the kids are in bed, I do try to take some time with like some herbal tea or even just no drink and just sit there for a while and just kind of let the day go. Um, physical practice, I try to do some gentle yin in the evenings, but I will say, and I've always said that, that I don't, I'm not good at doing power yoga by myself. I really need a teacher to lead and inspire me. So if I can get in one of our Zoom classes, great. Um, more often than not, I can't, but uh, we've been offering weekly um, outdoor classes. So I'll go and help with the tech or a couple times I've taught or I've team taught or I'll get to just practice there. So I'd say my practice now is kind of like few and far between um, full classes at home, lots of short little sessions snuck in at home, pretty much always at the end of the day and always some kind of yin with a little bit of meditation and then one strong power class each week at the park, right? We use headphones and we have a DJ or we have a playlist. Um, and that's kind of probably the only time that I'm really working on my arm balances or anything like that in those classes. And then I'm teaching uh, one and a half times a week. So every Wednesday I teach and then every other Saturday. And so I do make time to go in 30 minutes before my class and, you know, do a little, do a little practice there. So I know that's a little kind of piecemeal, but hopefully, um, you know, in a good week, I'll get, I'll get a few hours of practice in if you've kind of totaled all those up between kids and bedtime and work and, you know, family and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. I've been calling it my maintenance yoga. Cause like, it's, it's like, just like <laughs> what you fit in, like just that right. little right. tiny bit. And especially, I mean, we just it's clear this week, but we've had, you know, six or seven weeks of smoke, you know, off and on. And so that other thing that I live for, which is just walking or even hiking the dog for short hikes in the, you know, in all the beautiful preserves that we have here, that kind of went away for a few weeks. And so 
that was definitely my meditative time. You know, I made it a point to like not bring electronics with me if I was doing these walks and just like take that moment to, to, to spend 30 or 40 minutes in nature every day or every other day. And that really was hard. You know, it was, I think more so than anything else in COVID time that inability to be in fresh air for several weeks at a time or maybe one week at a time and then there would be one nice day and then another week it really made it very hard and I, you could see people's spirits drooping you know during that time um, as long as there's fresh air and the weather's okay I feel like in the Bay Area in general people have done pretty well with this quarantine because at least we can you know go to the beach or go on a hike or even just go to a little park or something. Um, it's, as you know, it's such an indoor outdoor culture and without the outdoor people really get, you know, that's when I started to see all these things in my social media feed about like, okay, guys, I'm starting to really lose it. All right. What week are we in here? And like that tension would creep up. So, yeah. 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 So have you noticed now that you're not getting to practice as much, for all of these reasons, are, have you noticed like a, a change in your energy or your Definitely. body? Or? Yeah, I feel, um, I feel less, <laughs> less able to manage stress. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair. I do feel, I don't know. I, I feel like the highs are higher and the lows are lower, you know? Mm. So I do right at the beginning of shelter in place, I bought a Peloton. I was like, I'm getting this thing. I know I'm going to be stuck here with my kids. Cause like the daycares were closed and everything, you know, for probably many months on end. And I'm going to need a way to exercise and I can't just leave them here. So I need a way that I can keep one eyeball on them and like get my sweat on that I'm so used to, you know, because of course I tried doing the zoom yoga with the kids in the house and that didn't really work so well. If they're in the room, they're going to be all over you. And if I try to go in my room and lock the door, they just rhythmically pound on the door and scream until I open it. The oh, older one just opens the door himself. It's he opens himself. Yeah, we're, we, we have a lock on one door in the house, but the older one has taught the younger one how to pound on it and scream. So it's not super relaxing to try to do the Zoom classes. So um, I'll get on the Peloton and I'll ride hard. And I really, of course, value and I'm thankful for that cardio. But um to answer your question, yeah, you know, it's been, I, I can feel the difference. I can feel a difference. I can feel a difference of not taking studio classes. You know, it's just mm -hmm. not the same going in and teaching to a full group of people that you're feeding off their energy. And maybe you're lucky enough that you have an extra hour and you get to then take a class and like refill yourself with some of that energy. And even if you're just taking it easy, you know, to kind of like be in child's pose, listen to the teacher, just kind of soak up the prana from the room around you and like the smells and the sounds and the music of like being in that room. I've really felt the loss of that, you know, and it, it's just not the same to do it at home on a video, you know, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely hard, difficult. And it's like uh, the, the being able to leave the place where you are, is right. really like you just go somewhere else. And then whatever happens there, you leave that and leave again. Like it's just the exactly there's a there's a big separation. Um, and I have gone to the studio, you know, that's closed and done some zoom classes. And it's been fun. It's been nice. But you know, it's, it's, it's not just the class because it's the interaction with folks as you come in and the checking in with people and remembering a story someone told you about their life and then calling that back and just the, just the community. Um, and actually, it, this may seem weird because I know it's COVID and everything's closed, but 
having that be lost has made me decide that part of the space that we're remodeling, our original space, because we've now taken over the third space, so it's three little storefronts, one through three. The third one, instead of just having another yoga space, I've decided to make it like a community gathering center. So okay. have, you know, snacks and tea and probably a small room for childcare and some couches. And of course we can't use them right away and everything, but um, ideally somewhere that people can hang out before and after class, or maybe if a kid is taking a yoga class, the mom is there, you know, and there's Wi-Fi, and it's just a, just a place to hang out. And I know that that's maybe not like the most profitable use of that space. I could definitely, you know, have more classes in that room or something, but I think it'll really draw people in, and I think it'll help people stay in community because we've never in the studios had that sort of a hangout space. It's just been like quick lobby, you know, into class and out. And so I'm interested to see particularly after being away from that sort of gathering for so long if people if they love it and I think they will you know it's a nice sun-drenched room you know and it, it, we're gonna paint it really cute and have cute furniture and um, hopefully that'll be a draw yeah definitely and just like a way to sort of chat more after class because mm -hmm. a lot of the time I know at left coast you have to like kick people out kick everybody <laughs> out because the next class, class is coming, is coming in, in. Yeah. and that'll be ending too because we can't have as many people and we have mm -hmm. to space them out more because we have to like do a full cleaning right so oh, yeah. the the whole culture of fitness yoga and fitness as you know packed classes sweaty close together you know is is over for the foreseeable future. The the shift is going to change to more boutique experiences, more one-on-one -on -one instruction, smaller classes, probably longer classes, because if we're doing all this cleaning and everything, you know, we're going to really make it an experience. And I think more of like a workshop vibe as opposed to just like get in and get out. And if you do want the quick workout, of course you can have it, but you're going to probably do it at home on Zoom because now everyone's doing you know, Zoom yoga anyway. The studio experience, I think, is going to be a little more special, you know, probably more expensive because there's less people, but a little bit more um, individualized for the practitioners. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That's almost like the way that yoga started, right? Where you would work right. with like, you'd go right. like once a week, work longer with right. one teacher. With one teacher, you know, you're not going to probably want the exposure to a bunch of different teachers. So maybe you're just you know, being safe and just staying with that one little pod or group of people that you practice with. In fact, um, we're going to be, when we reopen, we're going to be opening with just enrollment. So for example, 10 people will commit to eight weeks with the same teacher so that it's just that 10 in that container, you know, every Monday at 630, those 10 will come together with their one teacher um, rather than just random drop in people, just not just mainly for contact tracing and COVID, but also just to kind of start to rebuild the community again. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, that's brilliant. That actually sounds like really making lemonade from lemons because that sounds great. <laughs> like... I think people will like it. I think they're ready. Obviously, it's a little more of a commitment financially because you're like, okay, I'm going to pay for these 10 sessions or these eight sessions. And it's more like a class that's going to have a through line. Maybe there's a focus of that eight weeks and it's hips or shoulders or something. You know, it, it's a little bit less of the just drop in, drop out culture of like, I'll just go if I can after work. It's like, no, you kind of have to plan out the time. Um, but I do think that the people will get more out of it and get to know the teachers better and um, 
and yeah, so that's, that's how we're going to start next month and do probably a six or eight week series of that before the new year. And then we'll just have to see with numbers, whether we want to go back to, you know, drop in group classes or keep the enrollments throughout the beginning of next year or do a mix. So like as a studio owner, how do you think about what people are going to want? Like, that's so smart, but I never would have thought about like the boutique idea. Like what made you kind of figure that out? Like, do you have a secret hotline you're calling? No. And something funny (laughs) is that surveys, I hate to say this, but if anybody has ever done these before in your line of work, surveys are completely worthless. Like I've done so many (laughs) surveys over there. People do not show up for the things that they say they're going to want. Mm -hmm. I've added so many 6am classes and, you know, late night classes and this weekend thing and that, and people really have the intention that they're going to do it. They're going to get up at five o'clock and go, but when push comes to shove, they're just going to show up for that same class after work that they've been going to. So um, I don't want to say that I haven't did my time doing a survey because I've definitely spoken to people one-on-one and through email, but I haven't done a mass survey because I just, I think it's better to put the offerings out there and see what it attracts rather than ask people. Cause you're going to have a hundred people who ask for a hundred different things. And then you never know which one's going to stick. Um, I'm also just lucky that I'm on an, a national one international and one national uh, studio owner group on Facebook where we've followed, since we're one of the very, very last counties in the entire country to reopen, I've been able to follow the journey of like wonderfully kind studio owners in Chicago and New York and all the Wisconsin, all these states that have been opening and they're sharing what has worked and what hasn't. And that's where someone uh, posted the enrollments idea, how it really helped the clientele feel safer, that it would just be like that pod of people they're mixing with. Oh, that's so interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, And then um, with that, that would also be a way for people to practice at home when they're not in that pod, right? Exactly. So we'll give them homework. We'll live stream the class on Zoom. So if they really like that teacher, but they don't feel comfortable coming in and taking up one of those, say, eight spots in studio, they can follow the class at home and we'll also record it. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's, um, that's exciting. Like, that's a great. It's exciting. Oh. I, I'm, I, we're having a teacher meeting next Monday to see what the interest level is of teachers. And I've gotten just informally, I've gotten yay, big thumbs up. Can't wait all the way to like, no way, not going into in-person classes yet. So I, I think there's a mix among the teachers as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Everybody has their own like comfort. Exactly. Exactly. And some of the classes will definitely stay on Zoom. And I think, you know, online yoga is here to stay. It's not like we're going to cut that when we go back to in-person. We'll probably reduce the number of classes. Um, But I'm loving the outdoor classes and I'm so happy that this has given us the boost. We've always done outdoor, maybe once a month or so we've done an outdoor event, but really like investing in the sound equipment and you know, getting it, getting it together has been a good push for me because we've been seeing amazing turnouts at those and people are loving them after every class, particularly if it's on the beach or if it's in a really beautiful park, I'll just get, you know, three, four, five, six emails about like, oh, that was so what my soul needed to watch Um, the sunset while I'm practicing with people in community and it feels safe and we're outdoors. And so that is something that we're lucky we have a long season that we can do that pretty much all the way from March through October. So we'll definitely plan a robust, you know, offerings for next year. Must be nice. It's like 46 here today. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, I grew up there. So I I literally spent 22 years in, in the Midwest and then now it's 20 years in the Bay. So it's like almost exactly half and half of my life split. 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. So, but um, it make, it does make you appreciate it more in Chicago. And the it, summers, a, yeah. We had a beautiful fall. Like, it's been really yeah, pretty. So. I love the fall there. Oh, yeah, I remember nice. trick-or-treating in my winter coat in the freezing sleet every year. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of October, it would be sleet, slush and sleet. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's about where we are. We're almost there. Um, So it sounds like you, even though you're not practicing as much, you like have been able to stay really excited about the yoga practice, even though it's literally what you work and breathe all day. Mm -hmm. How do you keep it? Like, what's your secret? Yeah, I think part of that is just like separating out being a student from being the Mm -hmm. manager or the teacher or the owner. Like when I go, it it was very different at the beginning of the Zoom classes. Like I said, I was auditing to make sure the sound was right. And and now if I'm going to do a practice, I do not do that at all. I don't make myself that person that's, oh, let me just fix the teacher's mind, you know, because you could kill yourself doing that. It will never be perfect. You have to literally, and almost... I leave my camera on, but it's almost to the point of just turning off your camera, you know, because in that moment, maybe I don't want to say hi to everybody. I just want to kind of hide in the virtual back of the room, if you will, and do my practice. So I think for, for teachers and anyone that's around yoga a lot, and it's very tempting to start to feel like yoga is, you know, smothering you because as you know, before we went into COVID, there was so much politicism of it. And, you know, there were all these studios closed because of atrocities committed by their owner. So just separating out your studentship from the entire other world of the business of yoga is really important, I think, because you can't enjoy it otherwise. If you go into every class thinking about Bikram and, you know, how many students you need to break even this month and whether the Zoom camera is going to go off, you're, you're, it's the opposite of it's the opposite of the practice you know it is quite literally the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing in that moment so just letting the sound be what it is <laughs> you know and just when the if it cuts out you just uh you just keep going i think is and it's been it has not been easy it is it's yeah. a very difficult thing to do to go back to that studentship and focus on your own practice yeah so yeah Do you have any um, tips for uh, people taking Zoom classes to make them, like, let's say, you know, they're in Chicago, so they can't do outdoor classes. Do you have any tips for, like, how to make them more uh, worthwhile? Yeah. Well, one thing that I just figured out, because apparently I'm a neophyte with technology, if if you're lucky enough to have the setup to put it on like a TV or something that's a bigger screen, mm. it, it makes a huge difference. You know, you're uh-huh. not squinting to try to see what the teacher's doing. If you can kind of, you know, HDMI or Apple TV or whatever, try to get it on your TV. Um, sound quality, I'm not so concerned with. I mean, it'll drop every once in a while. Um, if you can carve out that time and try to really just turn off all of your other devices, you know, sometimes we say as a joke, go put your phone in the bathtub. So you're not tempted to go grab it, you know, put it somewhere that's literally out of sight, out of mind. I know it's really cute with pets, but try to get the pets in the other room because they're going to distract you. Try to get the kids engaged in something else. Um, And just pretend that you're really in the studio, you know, get your props, get your mat, get your water, try to get as many distractions away because you're naturally distracted at home with like, Oh, I need to go tidy that, but try to just give yourself the permission to not do that. And then let it be okay. If you're the person that can only do a 30 minute class, you know, or a 20 minute class, right. If, if that's going to get you in, 
and you feel good about doing just a quick 20 minute YouTube, don't force yourself to sit through a studio Zoom class if you're just going to get distracted. Then you're just going to get frustrated when actually you got in 20 minutes of yoga and that's amazing. So why not just do a 20 minute video from start to finish, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that tends to, we, we talk about being vata deranged, the whole imbalance of like lack of attention span and our attention just darting everywhere. So kind of know what your attention span is and just kind of plug your practice into that. Even if it's a 10 minute meditation that you're doing or something, mm -hmm. you know, and then you'll feel good. Cause like, Oh, I completed that. Hey, I completed that 20 minute class instead of, Oh God, I feel so bad. That was an hour class. I only did 30 minutes and then mm -hmm. my phone rang and that, you know, so Totally. Yeah. And then I've, um, I haven't personally done this yet, but uh, our students who are able to zoom in from their back porch or backyard or somewhere mm. outside, if they're lucky enough to live in that sort of climate, they, they love it. They're like, oh, you know, I felt the sun, you know, I just had my little headphones on so I could hear and it was really, it was really nice. So that's a, a way to be successful too. That's, that's awesome. And then um, those are all really good tips. But, and then I want to ask one more question because I know I don't want to take too much of your time. Oh, and then I wanted to say one more thing about the Zoom. If you can, obviously we all have bad days, but if there's any way that you can keep your camera on for the teacher's sake, try mm -hmm. to do it because we, we're not critiquing people's form. It's just, it's a lot easier to teach to a bunch of little pictures of people than to just a blank screen. You know, it, it helps us feel like you're there, particularly because we have to keep people muted. So we can't hear them as you know. And yeah. so at least if you can see little bodies doing some semblance of what you're instructing, it feeds the teacher you know, energetically a little bit more than just a bunch of black screens. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That actually leads to my next question. What do you have any tips as for teachers teaching on zoom new newly? Yeah. Um, I would say, well, for a lot of teachers, it's hard because you have to go back to demoing your whole class. Mm -hmm. And as you know, a lot of us were taught not to do that. You know, we're supposed to be walking around the room, looking at bodies and doing hands-on assists rather than doing the class. All of a sudden now you have to basically do the whole class because they're watching you. And I have seen some teachers like Iyengar, teachers who will have a different person demonstrate the class while, you know, they're watching the students um, or demo on one side and watch on the second side. But in general, you're pretty much kind of like doing the whole class for people. So, so it's more of a dance class where people are watching and following you rather than listening as much. Um, so I would say if you're not comfortable with demoing, definitely go through the class doing the movement. So you just make sure you have enough air left in Ardha Chandrasana to cue the next pose and you're not, oh, you know, just getting into that sort of a position. Um, and mess around, do all the camera messing and stuff before you have people there because it gets very stressful if people are watching you and all of a sudden you can't, you know, get your, get your camera and sound right and all that. Um, don't get upset if people leave partway through class. It's not your fault. Maybe their baby just had a, had a freak out. Um, and really, really the, the couple minutes before and after class are so lovely and crucial. So, Try to come from a place of ease when you start your class. Try to really give yourself five minutes to chat with people as they come in. People love to hear their names. So if you can greet them as they each come in, kind of like you would in the studio, you know, and then afterwards, people don't do this that often, but you can offer that you'll hang around for a few minutes afterwards um, just so that they know you're not like, boom, off to the next thing. 
Right. And one thing that has really worked well for us is we send out the Spotify playlist in the chat window. So, um, and I know different teachers have different systems. So some people will stream the playlist music as they're speaking. However, I found that the volumes of the music and the person speaking are not consistent from device to device. So people might chat me, even though to me the music sounds fine, people might chat me like, oh, the music's really loud, I can't hear you. And why do they wanna have to deal with that during their practice, mm -hmm. right? So we send out the chat, uh, the playlist in a chat window. They can, they can have silence, they can choose not to use it at all, it's totally fine. They can have their own music. If they're outside, maybe they're just listening to outside or if they use my playlist, they have an independent volume control on their Spotify. So they can turn it way down, turn it way up, they can turn Turn my sound off. They have complete control over it. Um, and people have, I haven't had any complaints about that. I've had complaints about all the other ones, you know, about no music <laughs> with music. Music's too loud. But when we started doing that, people really appreciated it. I was interested to find out how many people choose to practice in silence, actually. One time I took a show of hands in the class and it was like a good amount of people just didn't have music on at all. So I do now. I didn't before, yeah. but with a two-year-old who's yelling all day, right. if I get away, I'm right. like, I just wanted to just quiet. Right. Just, just quiet. quiet. <laughs> That's how I am in the car. I used to like put oh, on yeah. my podcast right when I got in the car. Now I'm like, I just want to drive silently. You know, I must sound like a psychopath in the car because it's silent and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> well, wait till he's older because then he's going to start demanding his songs in the car, no. which my four-year-old now does. <laughs> Every time we get in the car, she wants me to like stream you know, Disney songs as loud as I can through the car. I'm like, oh God. So, yeah. Um, so uh, where can we find you? Where can we take your classes and left yeah. classes? So um, our website is leftcoast, L-E-F-T, coast, C-O-A-S-T, poweryoga.com. Some people think it's West Coast, but it's actually left coast, like right and left. Um, and I teach right now every Wednesday from noon to one and every other Saturday from 9.15 to 10.15. If you're in the Bay Area, please check out our outdoor offerings. We're going to be doing it probably through the end of November, usually when the rain starts, and maybe afterwards. I'm looking for a covered outdoor space. Um, and then we'll start offering in person again mid mid to the end of November. Um, we have two locations in Oakland, one's in the Laurel District and one's in the Grand Lake District by Lake Merritt. Um, but We've, we've simplified our schedule. So it's just one big schedule with everything on it. So the Zoom classes are there. They say Zoom. The outdoor classes are there. The, you know, in-person classes will be there. And we have all different kinds of packages and memberships available. So, and we have really good teachers and we love all of our teachers and they've stuck with us this whole time. So it's been so lovely to have that support. We've definitely kind of condensed from having close to 40 teachers many of which were just very part-time, you know, one class a week here and there. Uh, those people all left <laughs> for better, for worse, you know, COVID struck. I, I haven't heard nor seen a, many of them. Um, and all the core people have really, really come together. So we have about 12 to 15 teachers now. Everyone's really excited about, you know, all that we're doing. So that's felt really good. It's a smaller family, but it's like a, a, a higher quality family, I feel like. 
Definitely. I mean, we already have two of your teachers on the podcast, Imbal and Anissa. I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And we're talking about our teacher training next year that they're going to both be participating in as well as myself. So if any of your listeners are interested in a really great uh, uh, teacher training, looks like we're going to do hybrid so that people could zoom in and do the whole training from a different city. Uh, Part of it will be online. And then um, for those that are in the Bay Area, they'll do an in-person component as well. So yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Check yeah. it out. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. This was thank great. Thank you, Rebecca. It's <laughs> been so weird to talk to you. I'll talk I to know. you soon. <laughs> Bye. Thanks again so much to Rachel Rashput. That was such a fun interview and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, so on to our sutra of the day. So the sutras kind of all build on each other. They kind of call back to each other pretty often so I'll just remind you the first sutra was now begins the study of yoga the the second sutra is that yoga is to still the pod, the patterning of consciousness to to quiet the mind and then the third is then the seer can abide in their true nature so what that means is now first of all now is this discipline that we do and we do this discipline. The discipline that we do is to still the patterning of consciousness. And when we do that, the seer can abide in their true nature. So this is actually, I think, one of I think one of the most beautiful sutras because it is saying that we are not all of that gunk in our minds, right? We are not our ego. We are not our um, preferences. We are not our dislikes. Uh, we are not our pain. We are not our hurt. We are, in fact, um, something much more beautiful and pure than that. And that in this practice of yoga, what we're trying to do is settle down the mind to stop shaking that snow globe so that we can finally see clearly who we are which is um, pure love and goodness of course all right that's the true nature of people and the sutra also sets up the first dichotomy the uh, pair of opposites it because it brings up prushna and prakriti so prusha is um, kind of like god or goodness or the great universe etc and prakriti is physical right it's the table the chairs the body even really the mind right because if you think about it the mind is like physical matter um and it's saying that we truly are prusha right we're actually that light inside of us that goodness that joy that god whatever you want to call it that's what we are but that we can't always see it because sometimes it's hidden by the agitations of property right it almost like um sometimes there's just so much of a buildup of a storm you can think of like a tornado uh surrounding us that 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 light of goodness can't always shine through um chip chip hartnett says it like this by lessening the disturbances of the mind and realizing you are not your mind you allow consciousness to settle so it reflects awareness back. So when you calm your mind, then you're not so led to action by your ego or by your likes or by your dislikes. Instead, you have a sense of real awareness. Um, 
So that really is the benefit of these practices. And of course, you know, the asana practice makes us more comfortable in our body and makes us strong and more mobile. And of course, the meditation practice is really good for focusing the mind, which is really good for, um, you know, getting work done and relieving stress. But really, all of these practices, the main goal behind them really is to start to see more and more of that light and, and not only see it, you know, for others to see, but, but to feel that light that we are all made of. Um, so I'll end there today. Um, again, thanks so much for tuning in. I would love it if you could um, write a review or um, tell somebody about the pod uh, because listeners are, you know, without you, I'm literally talking in the void in my closet. So <laughs> you're really doing a good deed by telling someone or are listening yourself. So thank you so much. Bye.